Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, still in the Bob Bickford presidential suite at the <laughs> at the Omni Hotel, specifically reserved for El Jefe himself. And it's sad that it doesn't get used throughout the year unless there's incredible... Spe- you have to give special permission for anybody else to use this suite, right? I have no idea. I just showed up and checked in. <laughs> but somehow you got the same room. Well, no, last year I checked in early and they gave me a, double, uh, a room with two double beds that overlooked the HVAC on top of the roof. So it was not a good year last year. I'm back in the primo spot at the corner, and I can see the Ferris wheel, the CNN building, and Centennial Park. Yeah. So it's it's legit. So a couple of years ago, we recorded a few episodes in here, and to give fair warning to our guest today, Johnny Rumbaugh, we had your son, Jason, yeah, we in here last year. And the day that his episode went live, a tornado hit East Nashville. Now, here's what was hard for us that we had to start thinking about our mojo was that's the second guest that we had on <laughs> oh, no. that year that the day their episode, the other one was Micah Freeze. The day his episode went live, uh, a tornado hit his community, I believe it was. And so I'm hoping, if I'm just going to tell you, if if a, if a tornado hits you, we're just not going to post this episode. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't happen this time. We're so excited. We're getting to record a handful of episodes here in Atlanta at the Omni. Explain real quick, give us a, a, a short rundown, Bob, of what it is that we're doing here while we're recording. Yeah, this. we are at the Replant Practitioner Lab. We're training associational missional strategists and DOMs to consult dying churches to help them envision a better future through replanting, revitalization, partnership replanting. And one of the very first participants, like yourself, Jimbo, that joined us was uh, none other than Johnny Rombo. And Here's the deal. Like he has just taken this training and has done amazing things. And I think I, I, there's no other DOM who's just like killing it like Johnny is. So. Oh man, he is like the the replanting ninja. <laughs> yes. he, he's he, he's quiet. He like so we had Walker on who's loud and direct and yes. a velvet hammer. Johnny's kind of quiet and, and really, yeah, it just, but man, he's just doing an incredible job of leading. And so he's approached this in a really unique way yeah. uh, that we haven't seen as many others do where he primarily is executing this through interims. Yeah. And, and so, man, just give us an overview of what that looks like executing this process in an interim. Okay. Well, you've heard me quietly when I wasn't talking about this topic, right? You get me talking about this topic, and I start talking loudly and excitedly. Good. I love love the topic. So, well, you know, I do not lead all of our churches through the interim process whenever they become without a pastor. But if I'm available, I will lead a church through this process as their interim, if I'm available and if they're interested. And so, matter of fact, you know, it's interesting how over the last four years, how God has just orchestrated that because I would finish one 
and maybe I'll have a Sunday off, okay. or not necessarily off, but at least back to the regular routine, and then and then I'll get that phone call. Now I can't tell you those phone calls are always the kind of phone calls you want to get, you know, because I I remember it's interesting how you remember these dates, you know, January the twenty third, twenty eighteen, and twenty nineteen, uh, and it was it was a deacon calling me saying, Hey, brother Johnny, can you meet with us tomorrow night? I don't know if we're going to survive this, you know. Oh. Well, there's two things about that, you know, that conversation. Is one is he was calling me to ask me if I would meet with the deacons because he didn't know if they were going to survive what they were going through. And so obviously the answer was yes. And, you know, I want to help with that. But also the desperation in his voice, I thought, well, wherever they are, whatever's going on, they're postured, they're ready to receive help. And so uh, so I was glad to go. Uh, and then there was another time when I got a similar phone call from a deacon who said, I don't know if we're going to survive this. So even though that's not the kind of phone call you want to get, uh, it is the kind of phone call you say, okay, this church is probably ready. And so when a church is ready, those are the kind of churches that I like leading through this process. What are some of, what are some of the signs for you you're looking for to, that demonstrate a church is at that point of readiness? What are you looking for? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily desperation because mm-hmm. because at first I thought, well, de- a church has to be desperate to be willing to go through the process. And those are the kind of churches that I want to serve as their interim pastor of because I feel like, hey, you know, it's you know, we're just going to get to get to business. But but it's not desperation. You know, we, we, we often mention the word readiness. And sometimes I'm asked, well, how do you know if a church is ready? Well, you know, basically, I just say if a in the in the beginning, when I was talking with the church about whether or not they're ready, I'll just say this. I'll say, you need to be willing to take everything off the table and only put those things back on the table that you think uh, will help you to have a future that's thriving and bringing mm-hmm. God great glory. Mm-hmm. And so so uh, if if there's anything that they're not willing to to take off the table, then, you know, that's like their God, right? So, so you know, that means that's going to be a hindrance. Or if there's anything that once they get it off the table— that they're going to try to put back on the table that doesn't need to that doesn't belong there. Then I'm going to you know that's not that's not a a good heart either. So so I want to make sure that they're willing to do whatever it is that's necessary for them to be able to have a future that's thriving and bringing God great glory. Now I can do that better as an interim uh, than I can as a third party. Right? Yeah. And so so that's why I love doing interims because it, it helps me to get right in right in there with them. And plus I love the practitioner piece of being an interim. You know um you know I'm just old enough now where where I'm just ready to put in practice, you know, some of what I've learned. And so the interim part allows me to do that. I, I've been in Lexington for 26 years yeah. as the AMS, and but only for the last four years have I been serving as as an interim at any church. So yeah, I mean, so, so the readiness is, I think, you know, again, it's not necessarily desperation. Sometimes it's just a matter of saying, okay, is this church willing to do this? You know, a quick story is the, the last church that I served as interim of was June, the, I think it's 17th. It was Father's Day of last year through November of this past year. So so for about, about six months. During that process, th- this is a church that's 22 years old, started in my home 22 oh, years really? ago. They had their first seven Bible studies in my home. The planting pastor stayed there 17 years. His associate that came with him to plant, when the planting pastor left, the associate pastor became the pastor, and he was there an additional four or five years. And then he uh, left to go with the National Mission Board. 
Well, as he was preparing to leave, he asked me if I would if I'd be willing to lead his church through this process. And I said, you talking about his interim? And he said, yeah. He said, I'd love for you to be the interim. I said, man, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the church. They don't really know me because they're a lot younger than I am. And, you know, these 22 years, I mean, if they, they've just reached a lot of the new people in the community who have not become a part of the association, you know, as far as mm-hmm. attendance. And I said to him, I said, Jimmy, I said, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm an old man. I, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And he said, he said, and this is what he said. He said, well, everybody needs a granddaddy. And I'm thinking, what? You know, everybody, what kind of response is that? You're asking me to be the interim. You're a cool granddaddy, yeah, but well, you've got a swimming pool and a boat. I mean, you are a cool granddaddy. Well, my grandkids do think I'm cool, I hope. I think you're cool. Can you be your grandkid? Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> or Jews. <laughs> So I said okay, and so I met with so I met with the leadership, and they said, yeah, let's let's do this. Now they didn't really know; they knew that I was coming to be their interim, and they knew that the departing pastor was wanting them to go through this process, but they didn't know what the process was about. Yeah. So now, were they ready? Well, so like I said, we started Father's Day uh, of last year, which I think was June the seventeenth or so, and they called their pastor, and their pastor started the first Sunday in December. So it did not take a long time to go through the process. And they, I mean, they made great ground in a short amount of time and they called the right, the right guy. So, so, you know, I mean, this was a church that didn't even know what the process was until I went there and they weren't even sure what the process was, but, but I helped them to, to realize I came to be their interim and mm-hmm. to lead them through this process. And they were fine with being the interim piece. And then when the process kicked in, they got on board with it and we had a great, great experience. What are some of the, the steps in the process? You, you, you work in a process to get them ready for, to call a pastor. So as the interim, what, what are you taking them through? What are the steps that you're leading them through? Well, you know, I mean, the, the NAM replanting practitioner lab, you know, laid the foundation and built the structure for us to build the strategy. And so th- this is how I say, it. I said, you know, Mark Clifton wrote the book, Bob Bickford wrote the, the notebook, the training manual, <laughs> and, and I just colored in the pictures, you know, <laughs> because, because really you guys did the, you guys put it together. But, but for me, you know, I think I shared this with you earlier, you know, I came in the very first training, mm-hmm. it was in 2017, in March of 2017, I came and I got my notebook. Right. And and when I came and got the training and I went back home, you know, uh, at that time, you you know, 21 years as an AMS in Lexington, never having served as an interim pastor, never really thought I would. Mm -hmm. But sitting really on the notebook and the material from March till January, I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. I I, I really didn't know how to, to put it into effect. And uh, so in January uh, 2018, when that first church asked me to be their interim, and I thought about it and thought, you know, I'd like to do this. And I made a covenant with the Lord. I said, Lord, if I go to be the interim of that church, then you're going to have to give me the sermons because I don't have time to prepare them. I've got this other other full-time job. So, and the Lord did that. I mean, he, you know, I love preaching through series. I'd not had the opportunity to do that before. Love preaching through a book, had not had the opportunity to do that. So I went there to, to, to lead them through the process, but I was like a Sunday school teacher because, you know, the, the one who learns the most in the Sunday school class is the Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in that interim, that first interim, you know, I mean, that benefited me to be able to lead a church through this process as the interim and and just sort of put into practice what I had learned, you know, what, nine months earlier, but also what I'd been 
trying to do for 22 years because as AMS, I'm, you know, trying to lead toward church health, you, you know, trying to, to read the right books, go to the right training, do the right things, work hard, and still yet that 80% plateau mm-hmm. to declining yeah. percentage just stayed there, yeah. I mean, you know, and for 22 years, I mean, you know, more than that. You know, we've just seen that there. And so so I just wanted to put in practice what I had learned. And so Mark wrote the book. Bob <laughs> wrote the training material. I colored. And what I colored has been very, very helpful for me. I'm not saying it's for anybody else, but anybody that asked me, I'll be glad to show them, show them my, my coloring pages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that phonograph, you know, y'all have the, the five phases. Mm-hmm. So I've, took the, I've taken the phonograph and I've created a funnel. So I've added, you know, Practically, I've added the things that work for me. Yeah. What works for me, you, to answer your question, you know, what does that process look like? Uh, I take one sheet of paper and I meet with the leadership. I say if it's a church that's looking for an interim pastor, I meet with their past search committee. I train them because I train all of our past search committees. So after I train them, I say, now, some churches are finding this to be a good time to go through this process. Now, I have changed in Lexington a couple of years ago. I changed the name from revitalization or replanting to futuring. Yeah, I love that term. Okay. And I changed it to futuring because, you know, I was having such great success with all of our churches saying yes, you know, yes, yes, yes to everything. Yes, we want to go through the process. Yes to the recommendation. So this one church that I presented, I didn't have the phonograph. I just did it, you know. I thought I was pretty good at it, you know. So I did it without my picture, and 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 the deacon said no. I said why? You know, I, I, I felt like that. Seventh that was the grade. first no you got. First no. And I felt like that that seventh grader just got you know rejected at the school. Dance. That happened to me a lot as a kid. So I, I know that. Well, like, you know, I was trying not to remember those days, but I, I mean, I felt so rejected. Well, so so, but that's not the end of the story. So they said no to me, you know, but. One of my team, the one of the pastors on my revitalization team, yeah. they wanted an interim, so I mentioned his name. He became their interim, yeah. okay? And he says to me, he's Johnny. He said, can I show them that phonograph? I said, sure. You know, you try. <laughs> <laughs> so I printed it for him. The only thing I changed was I changed the word future revitalization process to future process. Yeah. Everything else stayed the same. That's the only thing I changed was instead of saying revitalization process, it says future process. Yeah. And they said yes. And they said yes. They, they said yes. And so I didn't feel rejected anymore. And, yeah. and, and and so I no longer had the no. I now have a yes. <laughs> well, it is. So that it is one of the things that we do encounter pretty regular is there's something about the word revitalization that for some people there's this shame of oh we've it's almost like oh i gotta go to marriage counseling mm-hmm. oh you know well oh, i could never go to marriage counseling and our marriage isn't that bad uh and so they think we we can't go to revitalization that means we failed if if we're gonna do revitalization that means we fail and then especially replanting replanting means completely we we failed. Yeah. And so I, I've had conversations with pastors that have said, their leaders have said, just don't use the word revitalization anymore. And so maybe just use the word futuring. <laughs> maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's the key. You just got to say futuring. I'm going to try to use that word in a lot of different contexts now, just to <laughs> say future. So, well, so, so, so here, here's the deal. So, so the very next week after my team member, he got the success, you know, he got the yes. Yeah. I, had a, I had a deacon call me and say, uh, hey, Brother John, would you come and present to our leadership this process that you're leading church through? And I said, yeah. So I changed it. I said, you know, because this was, this was a church, you know, they're very, you know, pretty, pretty straight. 
and, and I said, I said, yeah, I'd be glad to come and do that. So I changed it to future and process. You know, I thought well, that must be the key word now, future and process. So, so I changed it. So I spoke to his, spoke to his leadership about the future and process. Three days later, he calls me, "Hey, brother Johnny, we voted yes to the to the revitalization process." <laughs> okay, you know, so so you know, this is this is what I have found. Uh, you know, it uh, you know we we use those re words sort of interchangeably. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhat synonymous on the front end. So it doesn't really matter what you do on the front end; it's what you do on the back end. Mm-hmm. It's it's what they vote on that really makes a difference. And so, if the word futuring will get me, you know, my foot in the door or or capture their attention for a span of time, especially as their own pastor, if that will be, if that's all it takes, man, I don't mind changing the word because I'm not changing anything else in the process, mm-hmm. you know. So here, here we are, whether I'm the interim pastor or not, but I love doing it when I'm the interim pastor because, you know, that relationship that you're able to build as an interim pastor working with the church. I'm not good at trading water. So once they go through this process, which usually takes about six months, then they're usually asking me if I have a resume of somebody that I know that's been through the training mm-hmm. that they could call as their pastor. And I usually have one or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, every church, you know, I'm hesitant to say this, you know, but I'm going to say it. Every church, every church, every church that we've led through this process has called the resume or two, one of those resumes, to be their next pastor. Yeah. Every one of them. Because they want a pastor, you know, that that they want a pastor that understands what they've just been through. Yeah. And so, and usually... You know, the the pastor wants a church that I mean, he's thrilled to get a church that's gone through this process. So it's it's a I mean, it's it's a win win. So, so sometimes I have one pastor tell me, he said, Johnny, you're like a matchmaker. I said, man, I don't want to be a matchmaker. I want to be I want to be the best man at the wedding. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so 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 the the interim piece there allows you to build that relationship with with the people that is um, you know it's very I mean it's not just pastoral. It's, it's I mean I just want to say it's more than being friends. I mean, yes. Because because you have some influence in their future, yeah. and then you have some ability to be able to introduce them to somebody whom is their pastor. And so far, every one of those guys that they've called to be their pastor, I mean, is doing. A, I mean, they're they're just doing great. And so we're we're really excited about that. Uh, another piece that I want to just uh, mention too uh, is we've we've added to this process. Now I got this from Mark Clifton when he was uh, he was talking with um, he was doing a podcast with Tom Rainer, and and Mark was talking about how when a pastor goes to a church and he was you know talking about a revisational replanting pastor he needs to love the people whom god's put in that church you mm-hmm. know, and not the people that he wished god had put in that church and and he was talking about you know man if you're out in the if you're out in the in the rural area and and you've got you know farmers go out to the to the fields and 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 just Get to know them, and one of the things he said there was uh, get to know their Jesus story. Mm-hmm. And I was, I heard that about four years ago, and and when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's amazing. I th- thought that would work in this process that we're leading church through with revitalization, replanting. And so, so what I'm doing is every time I do this now, is I lead every I lead every church through what we call small group member meetings, and what that consists of is groups, small groups of five to seven people five to seven church members meeting with me for about 45 minutes. And they know, you know, because it's announced when they sign up for their for their time slot, that I'm going to ask them two things. I'm going to ask them to share their Jesus story, and I'm going to ask them to share their, share their church story. That's it. Mm-hmm. Jesus story and church story. And it has been, I mean, it has been phenomenal what God has yeah. done. Let me, let me tell you real quick about, about well, I want to tell you about two, two things. One is, is I, want to talk, I want to share with you about this, 
lady whose name is Deborah. Now, Deborah was actually the, on the team that I'm working with on this church, leading them through the revitalization process. She was a team member whose responsibility was to coordinate and to recruit people to, to, to sign up for the small group. Deborah came to our first, for the first session, she sat over to the left, and but she didn't sit around the table. Instead, around the table were the people that she had recruited to come to that to that small group meeting. There were uh, three couples, six people, all senior adults, and their story, their Jesus story, was was quite similar. You know, they had made decision for Christ when they were young and had joined the church and baptized when they were young, and then they'd been members of multiple churches and had been a member of that church for over ten years. So for about forty minutes, you know, that was the story we heard in that very first session. Had three, had four more sessions after that with other people, but that was the first one. What Deborah had told me that she's now I'm going to be in and out of these meetings. I'm not sure, you know, which one I'm going to share my my Jesus story, but I'll share. Deborah didn't leave that meeting. She sat in that first meeting the whole the whole forty five minutes. And at the end of the six senior adults sharing their story, she pulled up a chair beside, you know, right beside where I was sitting to the table. And she said, she said, I think I need to share my Jesus story now. Hmm. So here I am sitting around a table with six senior adults, all gray hair, right? Deborah pulls up her chair, sits right at the same table. And she says, I think I need to share my story now. And she said, my story is very different than y'all's. Now, Deborah, you know, had black hair, well, black and blue hair. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so so it was quite a contrast with the gray, silver hair senior dolls. And Deborah said, My story is different than y'all's. She said, About four years ago, my husband was shot and killed. And about two months after that, my son was invited to vacation Bible school here at this church. And after VBS was over, she said, He asked, Mom, can can we go back to that church? And she said, Well, yeah, I guess so. And so they started going. And she later made a profession of faith and then was baptized there at that church. And that was four years earlier. Mm. She still has black hair and black and blue hair. Actually, I've seen it other colors. Other than that. <laughs> <laughs> I asked I asked those senior adults sitting around the table that day, I said, have you ever heard her story? And they said, no. You have no. Mm-hmm. Not any of those six senior adults had ever heard mm-hmm. their story. I asked Deborah, "Have you ever heard their story?" And they said, "No." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Isn't this amazing?" So that was the very first session in the very, very first day. Since then, I've done about nine sessions at that church. In every one of those sessions, I made it a habit to ask all the people around the table, "Have you ever heard their Jesus story?" And not anybody has said yes. Yeah. Well, they have not, other than the husband and wife. It really is three questions. What is your what is your Jesus story? What is your church story? And have you heard anybody else's before today? Have you heard anybody else's? Well, I Jesus had that story? third question. Yes, exactly, because I had not, yeah. I had not thought about doing that before. So yeah, it, that's. It, I mean, that's gold for not even just for an interim. I mean, any pastor in a replant or revitalization mm-hmm. ought to take this idea and run with it, mm-hmm. man. And just I did similar, but I did it with individuals or households. And I think, man, there's there's gold in that of bringing some of those members together. Here, do you, is there a strategy to how you group those five or six, or is it just time slots, whatever, and you just let the Holy Spirit put the right people in the right group? Or yeah, they they sign up, so it's two, three, four, five time slots, and so they just go up, and I'll have six uh, blanks, and so they just sign up. Sometimes it is by family, sometimes it's been you know by sensor class. You know they'll do it that way. But have I don't, you had I, people just say, "Well, I'm not doing that." They don't sign up. 
Yeah. But I've not had anybody to come to the small group and said and, and, and refuse to tell the Jesus story. So some people just don't sign up to come to it. Yeah, yeah. They sign they, they know what they're signing up for, and that is to share their Jesus story. And then I'll I'll actually I'll do as many of those Sunday afternoon meetings as I can. Because I want to hear everybody's Jesus story, right? I love hearing Jesus stories. Yeah. You know, and so I, I you know, I'm I'm the one who's I'm the most blessed because I'm hearing all the Jesus yeah. stories, you know. And but uh, so I'll do as many as a matter of fact, this new church I was mentioned to you a minute ago that's twenty two years old, I end up having to do I think it was four Sunday afternoons. I mean, they responded really well. This was this was back last year when they were afraid to come to church because of COVID, but they were coming to the small group member meetings sharing their Jesus story. Mm, well, this is awesome. But I, so back to the same church, okay? Deborah was in that first meeting. Now, so I did two Sunday afternoons. Sunday week ago was supposed to be my last Sunday there to, to hear the Jesus stories. At four o'clock that session, there were nine people showed up, you know, for that Jesus story time. And well, I thought, well, you know, this is going to be hard to get nine nine people sharing their Jesus story and church story in 45 minutes. Well, we didn't. And so I, six did. The other three, I said, we all, we all stay over and meet with the five o'clock group because there's four people in that group and, and share your Jesus story. And they, they said, yeah. The other six people that had already told their Jesus story, they said, can we wait? Because we want to hear their Jesus story too. Oh, cool. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Yeah. So the pat, and then the That's pastor good. calls me two days later. The pastor, because this, this church has a pastor in place. This is one of those unique opportunities that we were leading churches through this process that have a pastor in place. The pastor calls me two days later. Hey, John. He brought John. He said, can we do another Sunday afternoon <laughs> of, of Jesus stories? Because, you know, I mean, it was, it's like a, it's like a, I don't want to say it's a revival because I don't want to exaggerate that point. But it's, I mean, it is definitely, definitely a spiritual experience just leading a church through this process. And I, and that's why I enjoy being an interim pastor is because, you know, I get the front row seat of being able to see that, you know, and be able to experience that. And then, and preaching the Sunday services. Most of the churches that go through this process, most of the churches, well, let me, let me say many of the churches because I haven't stopped and count, but I'll say many of the churches that go through this process. And I'm talking about the NAM replanting lab material, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about baptize somebody, at least one person, during this process. Wow. One church I led through the process as their inner pastor, I baptized seven people in one Sunday, six adults, and one of, one of them was a wow. couple, and their 13-year-old daughter. Wow. The, the church that I was telling, telling you about is 22 years old. It started in my home, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm leading through the Jesus story, right? And the worship leader, she's telling us her Jesus story. And there's probably, I think in her group, there's probably four or five other people. And she's telling her Jesus story. And she's she shared how that, you know, she, you know, she was, she joined the church and she was baptized when she was a child. And then she went off to college. And while she was in college, she said, that's really when I became a follower of Jesus. And I didn't say anything. I don't try to correct people during, while they're telling, I, I just take notes. Okay. So I'm taking notes, you know, so I can remember the story with the face. Later, she came up to me. Now, she's the worship leader, by the way. She's the worship leader at this church. She came up to me and she said, uh, she brought Johnny, she said, uh, my next step in following Jesus is to follow him and believe his baptism. Mm -hmm. She said, I, I need to do that. I haven't done that. And I said, okay. Well, this church had never had an indoor baptism. I mean, they've always, because, you know, they, they're a new church. They have 17 acres of property, have a beautiful multi-purpose building, do not have a baptistry, but they've never they've never had an indoor baptism. A baptism. They've always gone to the lake or pond. Actually, they've been to my, my yeah, pool yeah, okay. and baptized there. So I said, well, we're going to, we're going to borrow, you know, you know what a water trough is? Oh yeah. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All church planters know what a you Johnny, know. I grew up in Arkansas. I, I know what a water trough is. So I borrowed one of our church plants water trough, right? Yeah. And, and, and we had an indoor baptism uh, at that church. The very first one in 22 years, the first time they've ever had yes. an indoor baptism. And, and this lady, who is the worship leader at that church, she, she led the church in the closing song of the service that day, steps off of the, the platform and steps into the water trough to be baptized, wow. uh, along with another lady who was seven months pregnant. You know? wow. Yeah, yeah. So pretty, pretty amazing story. So I love being the interim pastor of a church that is going through a spiritual journey like that. I mean, and, you know, there are other things I do. You know, this past weekend, I, you know, led our associational pastor and a pastor really a pastor and wife retreat and you know that's been wonderful and you know we do a pastor small group and we do you know six we have six relief ministries we are engaged in nam sin city uh, so we, we do a lot of other stuff but this i mean this is paying high dividends for me as a as an ams to give the kind of time that's necessary for me to lead a church through this process it's healthy for the association it's healthy for me, and I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm, it's hard work, but I'm having a great time, and I'm just, I'm just thrilled that Lexington Association allows me to, to do this. Excellent. So, guys, as you as you've listened, there are a few things that you've heard that you may want to know more about, and so we'll have some information in the show notes about the associational replanting guide and what that that process that we've referenced that Bob wrote the notebook on and Johnny on the spot got to Johnny <laughs> that's my new nickname for you now Johnny on the spot got to color in the lines and so I think this member small group thing is something yeah. you ought to really take and run with and let us know what how you adapted that how you colored in the lines thank you for listening to this episode of the replant bootcamp podcast a resource for replanters by replanters if you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.